welcome to Healthy Perspectives with Jeremiah, a podcast that brings you current social and cultural issues through a clinical lens. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we appreciate your time. We are glad you are spending a little bit of it with us. Uh, We absolutely value that and treasure that. So what we are going to do is we are going to get rolling. I have been wrestling with this idea for a while, and I've been trying to figure out how do I say it in the way that I want to say it. So hopefully this comes out well. Um, Here's the idea, the big idea. Online, for whatever reason, I've been watching how everyone believes or at least projects that they are the expert on the thing they're talking about. And I find it really, really fascinating because the truth is they can't all be the expert. You know, there's... And not only that, but the other part that's been bugging me is people are just stating what others have already stated. Now, that there's some reality as, you know, we gain some expertise in an area that we would sound like others who have an expertise in that area. But the mirroring that's going on the the idea of projecting it as though it's my original thought is is absolutely fascinating and over and over and over i have seen people inaccurately project their expertise and when i see that and i challenge it it's like it, it's like pinning them in a corner and you know, then they scratch and claw and look for a way out. They move the goalposts. They do whatever it is that they're, you know, they're they're they think they should or can do to preserve their expertise, as if they were ever the expert. Now, on occasion, I do run into somebody who's an expert in an area. I love it when that happens. But why are so many people hurt? So for instance, somebody was talking about uh, ivermectin this weekend on one of my feeds. And I, I, I chimed in, which I, I don't normally chime in around the ivermectin topic. Um, it is considered a controversial topic for some reason, even though it is factually FDA approved for human consumption, human use in certain forms and at certain doses. Um, and yet people get all mad that people are using ivermectin to treat whatever they are deciding to treat, even if they're using it in the proper doses as FDA approved. Well, I, the reason that I got involved in the conversation was because it was talking about, uh, you know, it's not for that. And I, I, I got to thinking, well, in mental health, I see stuff being used for off-label purposes all the time, literally on a daily basis. You know, people are using uh, you know, psychotropic medications for sleep disorders. And I'm like, mm, well, that's an off-label use, but should we be using it for that? I, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a pharmacist. 
And so I literally in the comments said, look, I'm not a doctor or a pharmacist. And I know factually that things are used for off-label purposes all the time. So, you know, as long as it's being used properly in its proper dose and its proper frequency, all of that stuff. And, you know, the, the, you, why do I have a problem with somebody else using that? If it's being used in the proper ways, even if it's for an off-label use. Anyway, I got involved in that conversation and this person um, first of all, when I, you know, and I, I did end up saying like, are you a doctor or a pharmacist? Not because I wanted them to feel stupid. That's not it at all. I wanted to find out their level of expertise. So this brought this to the culmination for me. It brought it to the, to, to the center. And I went, that's what's bugging me. They had no expertise, none whatsoever. Literally they said, well, I've bred rabbits for years and I, I'm going, I mean, okay, but that's an experience. And, you know, ivermectin is used in farm animals also. Um, and it's most typical use is around parasites. Okay. So that makes sense. So they have experience with ivermectin, but did they do their research? And they, they hadn't but they were projecting as though they were an expert and it drove me nuts. And I got to thinking, there's two things, two things that I wanted to address today. I want to address conversion and transformation. They are very, very different topics, but they correlate in the use. When I look at the different kinds of conversations people have and the different kinds of research that people do. So in the mental health profession, we have conversion therapy. Now, conversion therapy has gotten a really, really bad rap, rightfully so, because it assumes that as a therapist, I am the expert and you are the subject. You are nothing more than, you know, a, a, an obstacle in the way of this, you know, getting, you know, you from point A to point B, we need to get you out of the way, put me in as the expert, you do what I say, when I say, how I say, and voila, I convert you. We see it, uh, it, by the way, not a great form of therapy. Matter of fact, I think it's absolutely a terrible form of therapy, because when we look at the ethics, we just get to the first ethical principle, autonomy. If I assume expertise that I am the one who knows the best in your environment, I, I'm taking, I, at that moment, I start taking away your autonomy. That is not something that I believe should happen. That being said, it does occur, unfortunately, and I see it in other areas as well. I look at, yeah, I, I got a, a small list here for you. Religion converting people really i mean uh, what are we converting them to what i know to be the best hmm that's an interesting concept let's say let's say i'm right and uh, I, I believe in the lord and savior jesus christ and i'm right okay if i try to convert you couple of things about that when it comes to psychology is, is, are you more likely to go down that path in a healthy way or an unhealthy way if I convert you? 
in all reality, it's an unhealthy path. More likely to be unhealthy than healthy, probably. <clears throat> Why? Because you're doing it for me. You're not doing it for you. And that's a problem with conversion. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Marketing. You know, you market a soap, market a, a potato chip, market a whatever, fill in the blank. Any kind of marketing. The idea is to convert you to a sale. And they are very, very good at it. Why are they good at it? Because they convince you you want to do it because of you, not because of them. They invite you. The, the idea is to transform you into a customer. And how do they do that? They show you glimpses of you in their product. Okay, totally different track. All right, how about politics? Politics, you're Democrat or you're Republican. Or what about all those that are not Democrat or Republican? Yeah, you're screwed. I'm sorry. It just is what it is. Because why? There's only two. Except that's an idea of conversion. It's the idea that you have to be one or the other. And that is false. But they're trying to convert you constantly. They assume their way is the right way, or at least better than the other way. And so they either turn you against the other or for themselves. And of late, it's been against the other. That's why I, I put this really ridiculous comment out uh, a while back. It got no traction on it. Sometimes you know, social media is unpredictable. We, we don't know what's going to take. I thought it was kind of funny. I, I put down something like uh, Biden's best friend, Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump's best friend, Biden. Why? Because when we look politically, the biggest asset that Donald Trump has is Joe Biden. The biggest asset that Joe Biden has is Donald Trump. Why? Because you look at go, which one is worse? I'm going to go with the other guy. I mean, that's a ridiculous way to have to do it. You would think in our culture, we could percolate best options, not uh, the, the ones that we would look at and go, well, I'm just going to avoid the worst option. And that means I'm in this camp this time. I, I think we could do better than that. But that's how they're converting voters. All right. Conversion is a problem. It's a problem. And if you don't see that, please take a look at your posts. Take a look at others' posts and look for where you assumed expertise in an area where you truly do not have expertise. And I will bet there's a lot of them. That doesn't mean you can't get involved in the conversation. That's part of the growth process. But projecting as though you are the expert, let's not do that. Let's not do that. The concept of conversion is to change others for either my benefit or what I believe to be the right thing. But what if I'm wrong? Conversion doesn't leave room for that. It doesn't leave room for me to be wrong. 
for me to do my growth. It's I am right. It starts with that concept of I am right. So how do we balance your right to an opinion and my right to an opinion? There's two major factors, safety and love. That's my opinion as a therapist, because I've seen it. Love is relational and safety is environmental, relational, spiritual. Uh, It has a lot of different realms to it, okay? Uh, It is felt and real. So perceived and real safety, okay? Other than those things, there is this idea of live and let live. If it's not a safety thing, if it's not getting in the way of our ability to relate and love and and respect and all of those kinds of things, live and let live. Unfortunately, some people use that as an excuse to try to convert. We've seen that a bunch in this trans movement that's going on right now. It's like, I'm not harming you. Except maybe you are, and you're just not acknowledging the extent and the risk in some way. Now, I know I just made a bunch of enemies out there, and it is what it is. I'm speaking the truth as I see it. I'm I'm, I'm an imperfect person. But from my version of reality, from where I sit and what I see, and I see a lot of crap, a lot of good stuff. I see a lot of struggle and a lot of success creation. I see a lot because as a therapist, we can't help it. People bring their stuff to us, good and bad, ugly and beautiful. They bring it all in. And we do see this conversion concept. It's you have to accept me as I am. No, that's not true because if they don't have the autonomy to say, I don't accept you, then the truth of the matter in that moment is you're attempting to convert them. You can invite them to transform their ideas, their feelings, their relationships. And that's different. So the answer to to conversion is a totally different tact. And that's transformation. That's where I'm going to spend the rest of our time today. Transformation is what I do in therapy. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to say, maybe you're doing good. Maybe you're doing terrible. And maybe there's a better way. Let's find it. Let's explore together. Let's, let's here, let me, uh, let's fill in some knowledge gaps and let's do some growth. And I'm going to point to a specific psychological uh, theory concept uh, that it's not really a theory. It's a concept. It falls within some theory, but I want to point to a specific one that I think will help you. If you're interested in doing any growth and understanding where you are not an expert, this will point you in the right direction. It will not give you all the answers. You have to do the work still, but transformative care assumes that you know your life better than me. It assumes that you are an expert in some areas, but it also assumes there's stuff you cannot see. 
and I'm going to help you see some of the things you cannot see. That's what we're doing today. So the remainder of our time is going to go to what we call Jahari's window. It's J-O-H-A-R-I apostrophe S, Jahari's window. I will, uh, I'll put a link in the, uh, uh, actually, I'll put it in my documents. So I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that you can get to it on my, my website. So without further ado, for those of you watching on Rumble or YouTube, you're going to be able to see my Jahari's window. Uh, this is a pretty generic version of it. So there's different forms. I use Sometimes, uh, you know, some other things to show certain aspects of Jahari window, but Jahari is the, the one who created it. Jahari's window is the, the concept. All right. What it basically says, okay, so for those of you who cannot see, it is a square that is bisected on both in both directions. So you've got four squares, essentially, uh, much like if you played four square in elementary school, you have these four boxes, one section shows a known to self. So everything in the arena and the facade is stuff I know about me. These are things I see. And then next to it going down is not known to self. So it is things I cannot see. Okay. So it's things I see, things I can't see. The other direction is things you see about me and things you don't see about me. Okay, so I'm using a singular as an example because it's a little bit simpler to follow when we say it's one person. Now, this can actually be scaled up to a cultural look and so on, but we're going to stick with the one because it's simpler to understand it that way. So when I look at the arena, the arena, are, that, that's going to be the area where I know and you know. That's what we call shared space. All right, the facade is things that I know about me and you do not, okay? Those are gonna be things like secrets, private areas. What you do in the bathroom is your business. I don't want to know. That goes in the facade. You know, like, oh, I never use the bathroom. That's so dirty and disgusting. Facade, that's just not true. But if I share you all the gory details, then that becomes the arena. And socially, that's a little bit odd. So we keep it in the, in the facade or the secret box or the private box. Now, privacy and secrets are a totally different one. I've done podcasts on that in the, in the past. Uh, if any of you are interested in having me go back and do some more, some maybe some more depth in that, let me know. Happy to do it. All right. Then you've got the known not known to self, right? So these are things I don't know about me. And you do that. We call those the BS box. For those of you who are listening and you can't see it, it is called blind spots. I know you probably went a different direction in your mind. That's okay. It helps you remember it. Blind spots are things that others can see in us that we cannot see in ourselves. Enter therapist here. That right there is a key that we're going to come back to in a minute. Okay. And then we have the things that I don't see in me and you don't see in me, the unknown. Those are our blind spots, okay? Blind spots are a big concept. I've hit this before many, many times, but here's the trick. With Jahari's window, when we look at transformative care, the idea that I invite you 
to transform your life based off of new knowledge, new experience, new information, new relationship, and the like. The invitation that's there is designed to expand the arena, reduce the secrets, not the privacy. There's always going to be a little bit of unknown. And that, that's, that's natural. But we want to reduce the secrets so that we can reduce the blind spots and, to a degree, some of the unknown. So how do we do that? When I invite people to transform, one of the things that I do is one, I, I got to create safety first. They have to know relationally that I care about them. That's why safety and love are the top two when it comes to like required components that conversion doesn't necessarily consider like it should. In transformation, we consider those completely. That is at the, at the very core of what we do in transformative therapeutic practices. When I am working with somebody to transform their own life, I invite them in. There's two things that I have to do. I have to create safety and I have to make sure they know I love and care about them. Now, is that the same kind of love and care that you get from a romantic partner? Nope, not ever as a therapist. Is it the same kind of love that you would get from a brother or a sister? Not likely, although it mirrors a little closer to that. Uh, is it the same as you'd get from a parent? Again, not exactly, but it could mirror something like that. How about a mentor? Yeah, it's going to be a lot more like that. It's somebody that you can look to and say, that's why when you search for a therapist, you really should find somebody who's, I don't know, a quality human being who may not see the world like you do, but they are, are, are they create safety. They, you know, they are loving and caring and they live out a set of values that you go, huh, I, you know, even if I don't totally agree with those, I can get on board with many of those. Why should we do that? Because their value set is going to determine how they show up in therapy. Think about that when you're looking into a therapist. All right. That was a little tangent. Let's go back to these, uh, these secrets. So one of the things that I often will do is I'll have a client and you can try this, please do to, to reduce the facade box. I'll have a client create a list of secrets, things that they don't tell anybody. Or if they do, maybe there's one or two people that they've told and that's it. That's okay. Uh, sometimes private information shouldn't be dispelled to everybody. We don't want everybody to know our private junk. That being said, it is something we want to consider. If we are not telling very many people, there is a question of, do we have some significant blind spots in that area? Which is probably, yeah, we probably do. That doesn't mean you run out and tell everybody everything. So they write a list of secrets, things that they keep that, that, you know, in some cases, even I'll, I'll push them to say, Hey, even things that, that make you feel guilty or ashamed. All right. So we'll, we'll invite that conversation in as well. Have them bring the list to the session. Now I never mandate that they tell me because that would be conversion, not transformation. I invite them. I say, Take a look at your list. Is there anything on there 
that you could reconcile, you could make right with people in your life. Maybe it's something that you did that was probably not the healthiest, something like that. And they will look at the list and they say to me something like, well, do you, do you want to just read the list? I'm like, well, hold on, time out. No, not at all. If you would like to share the list, I'm open to listening, but I'm never going to make you read the list. And I usually tell them that up front too, but it does create that discomfort of the facade, the secrets, the lies, deceptions. It creates that discomfort, even if they never share the list with me. They can still do a good amount of this work. And yes, will they still be keeping their secret? Yeah, but they had to have an emotional experience of discomfort in the creating of the list. I'll even stop them sometimes and say something like, is it uncomfortable to be holding that list? Having it outside of you, where if you dropped that and somebody were to pick it up, they would have your list of secrets. It creates that kind of internal tension that's actually really good for them in terms of transformation. And remember, transformation's an invitation. I haven't even forced them to do anything. I don't need to. It's not conversion. It's transformation. So I invite them in. Now, oftentimes at this point, They take that secret and they move it into the known to others category. They invite me to know it. From there, a couple of things happen. If they choose to do that, the blind spots begin to just shrink down. Not completely. They're never going to completely go away. But the unknown also might shrink down. Why? Because the unknown often hides behind the facade and behind the blind spots. And if we're reducing those things, we're increasing the chance that you know more about you. Why? Because relationally, I can reflect things that I see and you could be like, growth. And that's the idea of transformation. I know I got a little bit more technical on this one today. I hope, I know I left that up there for a long time for those of you watching, but I do it because I really want you to explore the idea. I hope this was super helpful. I hope you understand the difference between conversion, I'm the expert in your world, and transformation. I invite you to look into your world using me as a tool to do that. Much, much better. And then not only that, please take the next step. Do the same thing in your social media stuff. Because that's where this came up for me. All these so-called experts that you almost inevitably, when I circle back to this, I go, they, I, I ask this question. What do you do for a profession? Are you a doctor or a pharmacist when it comes to ivermectin? No. You're not, and that's okay. You can still know lots of stuff. You don't have to be a doctor to understand ivermectin. You don't have to be trans to understand trans. 
you do have to put in the time, energy, and resources to learn and grow and transform your heart and your mind. That's a reality from a therapist to everybody out there. That's something you can do. You can transform. Take that into your social media. Let's make a difference one post at a time. Stop projecting you're the expert when you're not the expert. And when you are the expert, be open. Be open to, to the, uh, the answer of, hey, look, I've studied this for a long time. There are things I don't know. Yes. And there are a lot of things that I do know. This is one of them. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Take a look at the details of our podcast for links to our website and other helpful information.